Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Hey, and welcome to this episode of the Feck It Fun Fabulous Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly, I'm your host, and you know that we talk about restrictive eating disorders, how to overcome them, and what I consider to be an addiction to energy deficit, and how you might beat that addiction out of your life so that you get a free future that is better than anything you can ever possibly imagine right now because that future is out there and it is waiting for you. All you need to do, grab this eating disorder, abstain from everything that it makes you do and fly into that future that's just waiting out there, ready for you to live it to its maximum. What then, I hear you ask, are we going to talk about today? Well, today we are going to talk about refeeding syndrome, which I know is probably not the sexiest of topics when it comes to eating disorders. I know you want me to talk about telling you to eat a lot of food and extreme hunger. I know you want me to talk about overshoot and how you're going to cope with that because those are the posts that get the most views and that's the information that everybody seems to be searching for. But in order to eat all that food, in order to aim for overshoot, What you need to do is also be aware of and informed about what refeeding syndrome is and the risks that it can pose. So this episode then, although not very sexy, it's not there either to scare anyone or to speak to any eating disorders out there who want to use the information that's going to be given to convince you to stay in the eating disorder, telling you, you see, eating more, it's far too risky. You just continue to stick to your safe foods and amounts. You already know that I advocate abstinence from all restrictive eating and behaviours to overcome a restrictive eating disorder. But during the first week or two of eating more, There are risks when it comes to going from zero to hero with your intake that you do need to consider. And also throughout the process, as your body learns to process and cope with food, and as it's still rebuilding and restoring after years of being semi-starved and deprived, you are going to experience other physical effects. And so we'll talk about a few of those in this episode as well. Let's talk about refeeding syndrome then. For some people, there is a risk of refeeding syndrome in the first few days or couple of weeks of eating more. And although extreme refeeding syndrome is not very common, when it does occur, refeeding syndrome at its most extreme can be dangerous and in some cases it can result in death. But as I said, this episode isn't to frighten you, it's just to inform you so that you can safely start to eat to all your hunger. Now in most cases, refeeding syndrome starts in the first four to seven days 
when a person who's been malnourished begins to eat more. And although refeeding syndrome is a medical term and it is something that the medical community are very aware of, there isn't a clear definition for it. Although it's understood to be a combination of hormonal and metabolic changes that happen in people who are nutritionally debilitated and deemed to then be fed too fast, in inverted commas, but we're going to get into that argument later. So with refeeding syndrome then, you can get water and electrolyte imbalances in your body, and these are particularly noticed as big drops in certain electrolytes, of which a reduction in blood phosphate is the most widely recognised diagnostic marker. But you can also get drops in your potassium, sodium, magnesium, calcium and thiamine as well. And there are also often big shifts in blood glucose levels. So when it comes to what causes refeeding syndrome, when your body is malnourished and it's in a state of energy deficit, your insulin levels drop and your glucagon levels rise. And then your body adapts to this using alternate energy sources for essential functions. So in an energy balanced body, the body will use glucose as the primary energy source. But when it's in energy deficit, it's going to switch to using fatty acids and amino acids for energy instead of glucose. And it gets those fatty acids and amino acids by breaking down fat and muscle tissues. And then if your body's been in an energy deprived state for a period of time and it's then given a large amount of food, your insulin levels will increase, which will cause a quick shift of potassium, magnesium and phosphates into the cells from the circulating bloodstream. But because your body doesn't have sufficient supplies of these potassium, magnesium and phosphate levels, it can't cope with this sudden shift from it, leaving the blood and entering the cells. And so the circulating blood is left with very low levels of these essential elements. And it's then these electrolyte deficiencies that result in the complications that can occur in refeeding syndrome. And associated with this, you might also get a big rise in blood glucose and a drop in thiamine and thiamine is another name for vitamin B1. So if you do get refeeding syndrome, there's a number of signs and symptoms to it. Many people will get symptoms that result from mild refeeding syndrome and blood electrolyte changes that their body will cope with. So it's expected that you might get some of these signs and symptoms as you start to eat more, but it's keeping an eye on them if anything is happening that's untoward, that's getting more significant, it's really important that you're seeking medical advice and monitoring. Because as I said before, in very rare cases, refeeding syndrome can become very serious. So signs and symptoms of refeeding syndrome to be aware of are muscle weakness, abnormal heart rhythms, edema or what you consider water retention, chest pain, nausea and vomiting, a drop in your blood pressure or heart rate, 
feeling lightheaded, confusion, muscle spasms or cramps, shortness of breath. You might get balance or coordination difficulties. You might get a rise in your blood sugars and you might get quite extreme fatigue as well. And of course, some of these, such as a low heart rate, low blood pressure, being lightheaded or balance difficulties, can also be symptoms of semi-starvation and energy deficit. So it's quite difficult to know what's coming from refeeding, what's coming from the existing energy deficit state. But it's just being aware, especially in those first few days or week of eating more, and noticing any changes in your symptoms and if you have concerns, as I say, anything becoming more untoward, then please, please speak to a health professional. So there's a number of things then that will make you more at risk of refeeding syndrome. As I said, anyone who has been malnourished and then starts to eat a lot more can develop some degree of refeeding syndrome. But some factors that would put you at a much higher level of risk are if you've had recent weight loss of more than 10% of your body weight, if you've severely restricted your food intake in the past 7 to 14 days, if you've got signs of starvation syndrome that are commonly seen in people with restrictive eating disorders, and there's a lot in my book about what the common signs of starvation syndrome are. Anyone with frequent self-induced vomiting is at increased risk, as well as people who've chronically used alcohol or chronically used laxatives or diuretics. And it's really important to know that it's not only people who are underweight by BMI chart who are at risk. People with a BMI in the overweight or obese categories can also develop refeeding syndrome and are at risk of the same consequences of refeeding if they start eating a lot more having come from an energy-deprived state. So really anyone who's had a very low daily intake has sustained significant weight loss in the past six months. Anyone who purges through vomiting regularly or abuses laxatives or diuretics to a more moderate or extreme amount. Those are all the people who should be more cautious in the first week or two of increasing their intake. Refeeding syndrome is less likely in someone whose weight who has been stable in recent months, even if it has been stable at a point significantly below their set point weight. And it's also less likely in people who still eat regularly, even though that intake is restrictive. But I'd advise anyone overcoming a restrictive eating disorder to request blood test monitoring in the first weeks or even month or two where they can. But that's not just a recommendation. It's critical if you consider yourself to fall into a moderate or high-risk category of developing refeeding syndrome. And when I say request blood test monitoring, then you're looking at asking for blood test monitoring to check for phosphate levels, potassium, magnesium, and kidney function. Ideally, a couple of times a week, or at least weekly, in the first few weeks of increasing your energy intake. And it would also be advisable to ask for ECGs on a weekly basis, um, an ECG as a heart tracing. And your general practitioner should be able to do all of that. So 
How do you go about preventing refeeding syndrome then? Well, first, it's being aware of the risks and how high a risk you would perceive yourself to be. And if you're uncertain about that, then speak to a health professional who has experience in that area. But be aware that many general practitioners, many primary care practitioners won't be overly familiar with refeeding risks because it's just not that common. It's not something that in their line of work they're going to come across that often. Some people are prescribed supplements of multivitamins or thiamine to help reduce the risks of refeeding syndrome. And in the literature, the jury's still out really on how beneficial supplements are. It's not always possible to prevent refeeding syndrome from occurring, but recognising the signs and symptoms early and being monitored will help to ensure that if it happens, it's treated in time. The next debate comes with the low and slow advice. So traditionally the advice has been to start low and go slow when it comes to reintroducing nutrition to someone at risk of refeeding syndrome. And if any of you have ever had treatment for your eating disorder, then you've probably, when you first entered treatment, been given a plan of eating that was incredibly low. I know at some cases, in some cases in my case, it felt painful how low the meal plan was that they gave me when I first entered treatment. And I would almost be at a point of begging them for more food because it just felt so restrictive, the plan they were giving me to supposedly keep me safe from refeeding syndrome. And it's actually because of that that a lot of experts now doubt the start low and go slow approach. Because using a slow approach to refeeding someone after a period of malnutrition actually carries a much greater risk of underfeeding syndrome, where the individual then loses weight because refeeding is just too cautious, resulting in further complications from malnutrition. So research now demonstrates that more rapid refeeding can be safe, assuming phosphate levels are monitored. And it's advised, though, that your diet in the first week should ideally include less refined sugars, although right, refined sugars are the best thing ever for the process beyond that first week. So don't let your eating disorder use that as any reason to cut out sugar from your diet beyond that. And it's also advised in the first week that you make sure that there are plenty and very good levels of proteins and fats in your diet. But please don't use the risk of refeeding syndrome as a reason not to increase your intake or to continue to restrict longer than necessary. If you're at risk of refeeding syndrome, the risks generally pass after one to two weeks of initially eating more. So this is a short-term risk and it's not an excuse to not abstain from all your restrictive eating beyond any potential risk period. So for most people, the complications of refeeding will be mentally and physically uncomfortable, but it won't put them at any significant medical risk. And one common complication to cause mental and physical discomfort is edema or fluid retention. And the majority of you are going to experience some level of fluid retention as you start to eat more, as you start to overcome the eating disorder. 
So the edema that can set in when you abstain from restriction can reinforce the anxiety-based thoughts that eating just a fraction more makes you gain weight overnight. Fluid retention results from changes in your blood sodium levels and glycogen stores because of eating more, as well as rehydration of your tissues because many people who are malnourished are also dehydrated. And this gain in what's commonly referred to as water weight can cause a bigger jump in the numbers on your scales seemingly overnight when you do start to eat more. And if you do experience this and you're weighing yourself or you're being weighed, just remember that this rise is due to fluid shifts and it's not true weight change. Now, I don't advise anyone look at the numbers when you are overcoming an eating disorder or at any point in your life at all, really, because I don't think you really need to look at your weight and the numbers. But if you are looking and you notice that big jump, just be reassured it's normal. And the swelling and the bloating, commonly seen in the ankles, around the eyes and face, and around the midsection, although other body areas can also be affected, will gradually improve, but it can take several weeks. So just keep eating and trust your body to do what it needs to do to heal and restore. And then the other complication is abdominal discomfort. I'm going to do an episode soon about more of that digestive side effects that you can experience when you start to eat more. But just to say now that abdominal discomfort and tummy troubles are very, very common when you start to eat more. Because when your body has been energy deprived, it puts a very low priority on maintaining the intestinal system because it preserves the energy supplies to keep more vital organs functioning, like your heart, and your kidneys and your lungs. So your stomach and your intestines need vital repairs before they can work optimally for you. But this is a chicken and egg situation. To get the energy into your body to do those repairs, there needs to be extra food intake into a stomach that can't yet digest at its best. So as you begin to eat more, your stomach is probably gonna have what they call slow gastric emptying, which can lead to nausea, stomach cramps, bloating, wind and constipation, as well as feelings of physical fullness on what are still quite small amounts of food. And you need to push past this and keep eating to give your body the energy it needs. At this stage, you're likely to experience a confusing mix of new hunger and excessive fullness, plus anxiety and stress related to the process of overcoming the eating disorder are also potential appetite suppressants and can exacerbate abdominal symptoms such as nausea and cramps. So expect tummy discomfort and symptoms. Once again, trust that eating and abstaining from restriction will in time allow your body to repair and heal your digestive system so that tummy troubles have much less of an impact on your life. So I know that's been a bit of a full-on episode about biology and physiology and refeeding syndrome and all the good old stuff that's not so, as I say, not so sexy when it comes to overcoming eating disorders, but quite important to know about. It's important to know about this stuff so you can also reassure yourself if you are getting these symptoms and if you're getting these symptoms to a degree that you're concerned about, that you are seeking that medical advice and treatment where necessary. 
Once again, all of this information and so much more is in my book, Addicted to Energy Deficit. You'll find that available now from most online book retailers around the world. And you should also find that my next book, which is called Aiming for Overshoot, and it's a practical handbook to accompany Addicted to Energy Deficit, Aiming for Overshoot is available to buy any time now. So go ahead, get your pennies ready. You won't regret it. I'm Helly. You'll find me on hellybarnes.com. Go and bash that eating disorder with loads of food, but just be cautious if you do have a risk of refeeding syndrome. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day.